fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Hey, welcome into the program, the pre-Friday celebration, man. What's up? It's great to have you back on the program. It's been a little bit, hasn't it? I've missed you. Yes, I've been out the last two days. One of them was planned. One of them was not planned. It made me kind of bummed. So yesterday was the Hoosier Family Tax Filing Day for 2022's taxes. So we had to take the day off yesterday to do some tax filing. But Tuesday, totally did not plan to miss that one as I had... The worst migraine I've ever had in my entire life. I woke up at 1 a.m. Tuesday morning with the migraine that was so bad. You ever have one of those? You like have the little light, the power light on a TV. The TV wasn't on. Just the power light was just like there was like burning my retinas. It was so bad. And I didn't uh, get any rest to get until, I don't know, I dozed off a little bit at like 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning after that. It took me hours. And still it was like a ongoing just just dull pain in the back of my head. That's uh, Of course, when you get a migraine, you get all tensed up, so then my neck muscles and shoulder muscles and everything was hurting. And that was just, it felt, you just felt icky and sick the rest of the day. So I, I, I did a little bit of stuff from home, but didn't do a whole lot on Tuesday. Tried to recover. And then, of course, Wednesday we had tax day. So out for a couple of days, but man, we're back at it, ready to rock and roll. And then, of course, tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day, and it's a Friday, and then we go into a weekend. So it's going to be a shortened week here for the voice reason, but it's always great to have you for the ride. And boy, do we have a lot to cram in today. The kitchen up on two days, three days now, worth of shenanigans in Washington, D.C. So welcome into the program, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we always love you and appreciate you very, very much. As we mentioned, big show, Craig Bannister. He is with CNS News. If you don't follow CNS News, I highly recommend that you do as they talk about a lot of economic stuff, uh, budgetary stuff, and they follow that. So we'll talk with Craig coming up at the bottom of the hour on the energy market. As you know, if you've been following the stock market over the last few days, it's been a fun roller coaster to watch. Obviously, with the two banks failing, a third one about to fail, another bank in Europe about to fail as well. They got lent 50. Imagine, if you will, one bank had to lend another bank $50 billion, that's with a B, to not fail. While they're out there saying, don't worry, the financial market's all stable, don't worry. So I don't know how that's like trying to say you created 12 million jobs in the last couple of years because of COVID-19 doesn't quite fit. And people are a little wary of what's going on. Uh, the uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are starting to jump a little bit because people are going into other types of investments and not looking at the U.S. dollar because, well, the U.S. dollar sucks right now. And now we have our chances of a recession up to 35 percent, according to some economic experts, after the two banks that have failed over the last week and another one about to fail that we're apparently going to bail out with First Republic Bank and then more banks overseas as well that's taking the hit because how now, you know, the wonderful, glorious concept of globalism, how everything's all tied together, when one goes down, the rest of them go down. It's not privatization. It's not capitalism. It's the big global government where everything needs to be tied into one thing. So that way we can just float money from one to another. And yeah, one bank had to get bailed out of the worth of $50 billion. Man, imagine that. So 
We'll talk about that here in just a little bit because there is obviously a lot to get to. Plus, we have Biden's executive order, which is a complete madness, and more here. First and foremost, as we see the stock market kind of teetering, I saw a headline just literally minutes before I went on the air about how more Americans are starting to default on credit cards because, again, inflation's so damn high, and then the interest rates continue to move so damn high that we can't afford anything. And then people are like, well, you know, I wonder why people just can't make a living nowadays. I just don't understand it. Just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because, well, you know, we have 7% inflation. We have interest rates trying to intentionally price people out of the markets where we can't afford things. And then they're like, oh, yeah, the economy's great. Don't worry. And now people can't make their payments on credit cards. You know what blew my mind? And I've been out of the market for a while. I told you the story before I was a banker before I got back into radio, I don't know, 10 years ago, uh, 12 years ago, whatever it was. So I, I was a personal banker. And I remember at that time, man, when we were trying to sell people on like home equity loans, home equity lines of credit, we would run a special of a 1.99% interest rate on a home equity line of credit. Oh, I know. I know. 1.99. I was at the bank a few days ago, I uh, part of an organization that I'm with, and I was transferring. I was the treasurer. I was transferring the bank accounts to the new treasurer because I'm not any longer. And I had asked them just out of giggles. I said, what's the interest rate going right now for a home equity line of credit? Thinking... With my awesome, you know, wannabe, intelligent, brainiac financial mind of, you know what, with all of my student loans that I have, with the bending over for the student loan companies on the private student loans right now, with student loans at like a 9 to 13% interest rate on a $25,000 student loan, I'm like, you know what, if interest rates are at all low on the home equity lines of credit, I could maybe consolidate some of that on a home equity because my home uh, my home's paid for. Don't have any debts there, so I can I can transfer everything onto the home equity line, use the home as equity, and pay it off a heck of a lot faster at a three percent interest rate than I could on a thirteen percent interest rate. And man, we could just go down like that. So I asked them just out of the blue, "Hey, what's your rates on interest rates on home equity lines?" And they said something like seven to eleven percent. Come on, man. That's a no. That's not a joke. That's a failure. That's a failure there. Not even a joke. Absolutely ridiculous. So they try to blow the smoke up our you know what's while we're living in the real world seeing what's going on. And then they're like, yep, the economy's all great. All wonderful. And the media doing everything they can to not only defend the Biden administration, not only to protect the Biden administration with the economy and how bad it's actually doing right now, but actually starting to turn on their own for those that don't get on board with the whole socialist, let's consolidate, let's centralize, let's bail everybody out. Obviously, we have to bail out Ukraine with billions worth of dollars. Obviously, we have to bail out the Silicon Valley Bank. Obviously, we have to bail out the uh, other bank in New York and now this First Republic Bank. All these banks that are failing, instead of saying, they extended their borrowing limits a little bit too far. They let too many people borrow when interest rates were really low. They just got a little greedy by letting people borrow and take out money that they probably shouldn't have, that they knew weren't going to be able to pay things back. And we're seeing just a repeat of the financial bubble we saw years ago. And this, by the way, is being all said by a guy who's not a financial expert in any way, shape, or form. I just handle bank accounts for certain organizations. <laughs> That's all. I'm not a financial expert. I did not go to college for financial literacy. I did not become an economics major in any way, shape, or form. This is just basic common sense that we all should know. 
But now the government sees an opportunity, the light bulbs clicked on, about centralization and more regulation on the financial institutions, as we've talked about a few days ago, with opportunities for them now to take more control over your bank account, your spending habits, what you're allowed to spend money on, and be able to track every transaction that you have, good, bad, or indifferent, through your own bank accounts. Because, well, hey, we need to make sure the bank doesn't fail, and we need to make sure that we're overseeing what you are actually doing. And they're turning on the ones that are fighting against that, even on their own side. If you remember a few months ago, Kirsten Cinema, she was the Democrat senator. Now she's flipped to an independent senator because she didn't like the partisan politics, but still votes with Democrats like 95% of the time. She's always been a left-wing progressive. She's always been a left-wing Democrat out of the state of Arizona. And now the media, man, going after her like none other. MSNBC today, Kirsten Cinema's name is all over the Silicon Valley bank collapse. Here's what they say. The Daily Beast's Michael Daly framed Cinema's dilemma, uh, a dilemma uh, noting one day whether she's calling herself a Democrat or an independent, her voting record is the same, and it marks her a shill for the banking industry, calling her a conservative. After facing criticism for her conservative stances, is subject to criticism for her political work and service of the uber-wealthy financial executives. <laughs> now remember, this is coming from the party that really, really, really likes their elites in Washington, D.C., that does that says they want to tax the evil billionaires and millionaires, but yet are bailing out the billionaires and millionaires that are running the banking institutions that are actually funding their campaigns and funding the Democrat Party and the DNC. So they like to tax the rich as long as it doesn't affect the rich that are actually funding them. Part of the elites, part of Washington, D.C., it's nothing new. It's not shocking. But, uh, of course, they have to go after them that way. So according to the Daily Beast, they link Kirsten Cinema, who is now the traitor to the Democrat Party. She is the left-wing uh, saboteur by saying that she's left the Democrat Party. And now she is part of the conservative-stanced Republican nutjobs wanting to deregulate as before she went to the House Rep- this is according to, by the way, the Daily Beast. Before she went to the U.S. House of Representatives, to the U.S. Senate, Cinema was party to an early effort by the banks to undo those provisions in the 2010 Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act that was passed in the wake of the 2007 to 2008 financial crisis. As a member of the House Finance Services Committee, she was a supporter of H.R. 992, the Swaps Regulator Improvement Act of 2013, which sought to exempt a certain financial instruments from the Dodd-Frank restrictions. Bank lobbyists drafted key amendments, which appeared word for word in the bill as she supported in the committee, and when it reached the House floor, the measure passed, but this was during the Obama administration, and it had no chance of becoming law. So that evil, terrible Kirsten Cinema supported a bill that didn't go anywhere and that didn't pass through the Obama administration during the financial collapse of 2006 or what was it, 2007 and 8, the financial crisis, the bursting of the bubble because we injected too much money, we had too much regulation, the government had to poke the little pin into the balloon, and we had to reset the system. I always use the analogy for those that may be relatively new to the show of like bleeding your brakes in your car. I'm sure you're an automotive. You understand automotives a little bit. If you're in the blue-collar rural communities, you understand how to bleed your brakes. If there's a bubble in your brakes, then your brakes don't work the way they should be. So you have to bleed them once in a while to make sure to get all of the bubbles and air pockets out of the system so it runs smoothly. The way I see the stock market and the economy is every time that we inject money into it by printing money without a backing 
or investing it, and I use that in air quotes for my radio listeners, investing it into the private market through investments or bailouts, whatever else, we're creating a bigger bubble in a streamlined system that's going to pop at some point. And either it's going to burst at some point when we see the lack of the brakes actually working or we have to bleed them out and let the bubble burst on our control to where we can get things back on track. Every financial crisis that we've had in this country has been due to a bubble bursting because we've injected too much money in from the government level and not allowing the private sector to do its damn job. So now that we're seeing the banks, according to them, be deregulated or at least being supported of deregulation by even Democrats at the time, they're a bunch of evil conservatives because if they weren't as deregulated as what they are now, they wouldn't have failed. Obviously, because it would have been in the public sector, and therefore there's no way for them to fail because we would just increase taxes to cover the losses that they'd actually have instead of making better business decisions. See, the problem is with a private sector, when you make a bad business decision, then you feel the repercussions of that, either taking a hit or taking a big enough hit to where you can't recover from that. And that's not the way the system works any longer, is it? Because now we have the government bailing out, we have other banks bailing out in the billions of dollars overseas, and they're blaming Democrats, independents that used to be Democrats, still vote Democrat 98% of the time, but uh, said they were conservative by supporting the repealing and fighting of the provisions of the 2010 Dodd-Frank Wall Street Journal Reform and Consumer Protection Act. That's the government stepping in to make sure the financial markets don't have any type of wavering or fail in any way, shape, or form. It's their fault. Just like with the train derailments, how it was Trump's fault to deregulate certain things that had nothing to do with the train derailment. Now it's Kirsten Sinema's fault and other Democrat and Republicans' fault for not fighting for more government control and oversight on the finances. How dare you make them make good business decisions in a private market? This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright, it is. What's up? Welcome into the program. It's 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting on a pre-Friday celebration. And boy, oh boy, are things shaky right now. I love how Janet Yellen from the Treasury Department's in Washington, D.C. today uh, testifying in front of Congress being like, don't worry, there's stability in the in, in the market. There's stability in the financial industry. Don't you worry. Don't be pulling your money out. Don't be doing things like that. It's crazy for you to even think about that. We're going to bail them all out. It's all cool. Inject more money into that system. Print more money out of nowhere and then wonder why inflation's so damn high. And oh, by the way, just create that bigger bubble for it to burst a little bit later on as we t- continue to not bleed our brakes and let us get ourselves down the road. It's kind of crazy. So now, according to Breitbart, the latest chances, according to economic experts, see a uh, within the next 12 months of hitting a quote unquote recession, which we're already in one. If you remember the definition of what a recession was, which they tried to balk at, I don't know, about nine months ago, summertime of last year, when they're like, no, we're actually not in a recession, even though by definition, they say a recession is if the GDP loses two quarters in a row. And we hit that in quarters two and three last year, and then another one in quarter four. So we're already in a recession. They just have to admit it to themselves because they're like, well, it's very strange. Yeah, the GDP is losing, but jobs are getting better and more people are working, so everything's all fine. It's really not a recession. Don't panic. And people are spending money. 
as we've talked about before, the reason why we're spending more money is because we have a generation that doesn't want to lose their lifestyle. So now we see them increasing their credit cards to try and maintain the current level of standards without actually cutting back on spending, cutting back on certain lifestyles because they refuse to do so. That would be my generation, the millennials. You're welcome. So we're the ones screwing up the system, spending more money, and then trying to maintain the certain lifestyle, getting further into debt, begging for student loan forgiveness because we can't afford all the debts that we're accruing, and now we're starting to default on credit card payments because we've tried to live for that long for too long, and we just can't maintain it any longer. So it's going to start busting on that side as well. Jobs are going to continue to go because eventually you're going to run out of uh, unemployment benefits and you have to go back to work even for the entry-level positions that aren't making a whole lot of money. But as you know, the way the economy is is that there's more quote-unquote higher-paying jobs out there because people are desperate for work, so they're actually having to raise their salaries to offer into individuals to actually get them in the door because you can't survive on what they used to back in the day with 7% inflation and supply chain issues all created, and thanks in part due to our federal government and the way they've screwed everything up. So now we have a 35% chance of a recession over the next 12 months with concerns of the banking institutions. Uh, today, I saw the markets were up again slightly today, but that was with, again, the inflated uh, markets and the way the inflated market is with bailing out a potential bank with the First Republic Bank. So we've tried to recover ourselves a little bit, but oil's still down. My question is, when the hell's gas prices going to go down? We still see it lingering here in Kansas, where I'm based out of. We're still still seeing it right around that $3 a gallon. It's been two ninety nine here in Wichita for like a month straight plus. And now we're below $70 a barrel. We're at like $68 a barrel now. Where the hell's my lower gas prices, man? It's not going to happen. Uh, by the way, next uh, segment, when we come back around the corner, we're going to have Craig Bannister with CNS News. We're going to talk about that energy market and what we could see with gas prices. But at some point, things are going to fall. Now, that's not always a bad thing. Obviously, there's opportunities on both ends with people that actually invest in the stock market, which I do not. I'll say that right up front, but people always see the opportunity on a bullish or a bearish market, either going down or going up. And if it crashes and goes down, that means things are going to be very, very cheap. And that's opportunity for people that have the money to actually buy things. And then when it goes back up, they're in a very good position. So guess what? The evolution, the cycle of life continues to revolve and will burst. Things go down, the, the housing market will go down to where people can afford houses again and people can invest again and everything will be great and then it'll get up too high and inflated too high to where it'll burst all over again and the cycle of life continues. So prepare yourself however you do so. Not economic advice in any way, shape, or form, just basic observation from a punk millennial that continues to inflate the market by spending too much damn money on my credit card. <laughs> See what I did there? Craig Bannister right around the corner. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Halfway through the program already for a pre-Friday celebration. Holy cow. By the way, my problems are solved. I don't have to worry about a thing. I know we just talked about the potential, you know, financial markets, the instability there, the banks closing, the uh, chance of a recession coming up in the next year. I don't have to worry about a thing. I just want to let you know, I just received an email, which you can e always email me at network at gmail.com. That's H-O-O-S-E-R, network at gmail.com. In our mailbox today. What's in the mailbox? <laughs> 
I don't have to worry about a thing. So I don't know what you guys are dealing with. I don't have to worry. Here's the email I just got from Abrar Rihan. Hi is the title. I am Mrs. Abrar Rihan from Libya, a widow to late Rihan Assad from Kuwait. I'm 47 years old. I am a Christian convert suffering from long-time cancer and fibroid problem. According to my doctors, I have limited time to live on the earth. When my late husband was alive, he deposited the sum of $20 million. So I want you to use the money to help the poor in your country. Reply through my private email box at faithgrandnumber4 at yahoo.com so that I can tell you more about me. I hope to hear from you, and may the almighty God be with you. But uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I don't have to worry about a thing. I have hit the jackpot. <laughs> you guys can deal with the bank and financial collapse. I'm going to sit on my $20 million and figure out how to help individuals when I get that money. I'm just going to send her that email, send her all my personal information, and wait for that response. Ah, yeah, well, there's that one. You can email me real emails at network at gmail.com. Let's get into what's trending, shall we? What's <laughs> trending today? There it is. So we have the potential recession. According to Breitbart.com, a 35% chance of a recession over the next 12 months. We have the instability of the financial markets. But we see oil dipping down a little bit. The energy markets, which is kind of interesting after the announcement from the Biden administration about a potential new drilling site for oil, which he said he was against oil. And then he's like, well, we're still going to need oil for like 10 years or so. So let's go ahead and drill some more after he's depleted the oil reserves. And then we're begging OPEC and OPEC Plus to try and give us a little bit more while we hover around $3 plus a gallon still in the off season. That's not even the summertime. So what's the markets look like moving forward? Excited to have on the program from these guys. I love these guys. CNS News. I will look at so much of their information. Excited to have on contributor with CNS News, Mr. Craig Bannister with us here. Craig, how are you, my friend? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I I heard uh, you mentioning the letter. Uh, <laughs> you think you I, I'm done? I got twenty million dollars, baby. I don't have to worry about a thing. <laughs> the best one of those I ever got in an email um, was someone emailing me claiming to be from the Nigerian police, wanting <laughs> to uh, catch these people who are running scams. Mm-hmm. And the letter said, "Well, in order to catch a thief, we you need to act. So we're going to do this." just as if I were ripping you off. Wow. Man, that's a You're good gonna, one. That's a you, you want, because obviously you want, you, want, uh, you want to help me catch these people, so we'll set this up, and you'll give me the bank account information just as if I, I were scamming you. Wow, that's a good one, man. Hey, we're going to pretend to scam you so you can catch scammers. That's a, that's a clever one. i got to give him props on that. Well done. Well done. Man, it's a crazy world out there. It really is. Uh, Craig, this energy market is nuts. We've been watching it. It finally dipped below $70 a barrel here in the last couple of days. We're floating at like 68 and some change today, I think, at the end of trading. Uh, am I going to see gas prices drop anytime soon? Uh, I can't imagine that uh, <laughs> because, as you know, um, uh, President Biden and his crew have, have this G and uh, domestic energy. Um, and, uh, so I, 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 I really don't see that, uh, as you just mentioned, he's depleting, um, our reserves, uh, and those aren't infinite. Uh, that's sort of what makes them reserves. They're there, uh, for when, um, 
when the supply has reached a uh, crisis level or low. But uh, yeah, but the reason uh, prices are rising is because we're not being allowed to uh, produce uh, our own uh, our own energy here. Uh, which, uh, as you recall, uh, under the previous president's uh, uh, administration, was actually energy independent and a net and a net exporter. Yeah. Um, what you what you see now is, uh, I think, nationally the average uh, is three dollars and forty six cents for a gallon of regular. Um, that's um, you know that's after the um, the. Now, what would you call it? The faux uh, <laughs> drop uh, from the um, the uh, strategic reserve tapping into that. Uh, things are going back to uh, the way they were. It appears uh, uh, a month ago, uh, prices were were lower. They'd uh, bottomed out, and and since then, uh, uh, you've seen that they've returned to a, a, a relatively high level. Um, and as long as there is this um, uh, th- this administrative uh, uh, opposition to production of domestic energy, uh, there's either going to be a shortage or we're going to have to buy it uh, from another country, usually uh, ones the, that are our enemies. Yeah. It's wild. What was the purpose when he announced last year? I remember it, and it was, uh, I don't know, around what, May last year, April last year, when he had made the announcement saying that we're going to release a million barrels a day into the market for like four or five, six months, whatever it was. Uh, and I never understood that concept on why that was going to be the saving grace for us when we consume anywhere between 22 to 24 million barrels a day just in the United States. I don't know what one million barrels out of our reserve was going to do other than, like you said, deplete it to where we don't have any left for an emergency when things do get rough or something happens. There was no point to that except to make us dependent, wasn't it? Well, exactly. And uh, what he, I believe, was counting on was uh, uh, a a psychological uh, bump uh, from claiming that this was going to have uh, an impact. And and you you really do see this a lot from politicians and um, and especially from the left this belief that by declaring it to be so uh people at least in the short term um especially the true believers will buy it and um and 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 that that happens so much with the market so much of the the market not just uh gasoline but in general uh, is is based on uh, I hate to say feelings, but uh, but a, but a certain mass psychology. Um, people believing that uh, a business is going to have record profits next quarter, um, and so if you you know some of a lot of it is is psychological. Uh, of course, there is a very real element when you get down to. Well, there's only this much supply and there's this much demand, and who's willing to pay the most for it? Um, so yes, uh, it it it. Uh, <laughs> I I guess you could call it another type of scam. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, not but coming from uh, from D.C. instead of Nigeria. 
uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> where uh, there's this, uh, it's just stated uh, belief, like as as when the, the Biden administration, when we've had, I forget what it was, two or three straight quarters of contraction, and uh, Biden said, we're not in a recession. Yeah. Well, the technical recession is, you know, a certain uh, number of quarters of, uh, of con- contraction. But uh, if you can continue, if you can convince people that we're not, they will, at least in the short term, uh, continuing spending and acting uh, as if there isn't a problem. Now, of course, that uh, you still have to pay the piper uh, <laughs> at some point. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. We just talked about that in the last segment before you came on about how, by definition, yes, if you see a, a retraction of the GDP for two quarters in a row, then you have a recession. We hit that in quarter two and three of last year, and they're finally just saying, well, maybe we'll see a recession this year, but I don't know. We're still pretty confident. Don't worry about all those banks failing. Everything's going to be just all peachy and hunky-dory, which is hilarious. We're talking with Craig Bannister with CNS News. CNSNews.com is the website where you can see all a lot of this great information. Uh, moving forward here, uh, Biden has kind of changed his tone a little bit from like oil is completely evil. We don't want the Keystone Pipeline. We don't want any of this stuff to now. Well, of course, we're going to still need oil for the next 10 years or so before we go completely EV and electric across the country. So let's go ahead and open up now a new drilling site. Is this going to change anything or is this, again, like you said, just another scam just to make us feel good temporarily? Well, uh, that was a um, unique uh, <laughs> uh, uh, sentence from Biden when he said that, and I, I believe that uh, it in the chamber at the time uh, <laughs> it, it it drew laughs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he said, "Well, we're going to need for at least the next uh, ten years," um, and uh, and if he if he believed that. Um, he would uh, be opening this up again, and if and if I might uh, provide a little background here, don't be fooled by his claim that well, there are, we don't need to sell any more leases to drill for oil because there are already so many out there. Um, it takes years uh, to develop a um, to develop the, the production capacity even after the uh, the lease is granted. Yeah. And just because a lease is granted, it does not mean that the company and the site have uh, successfully cle- cleared all of the uh, regulatory, administrative, and uh, EPA hurdles necessary uh, to to drill. To do what they need to. And, Craig, we gotta, uh, Craig, we got to take a hard break here. Can you stick over one more segment with us? Absolutely. Uh, awesome. I love, I love this conversation. I love the sneakiness here. Oh, yeah. The million barrels a day being released from the reserves the oil drilling new site the don't worry we're going to take care of it i love the sneakiness here and so many people fall for this garbage it makes me sick we got to take a break here wrap it up right around the corner here on a thursday for the voice of reason stay here this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome back into the program. Last few minutes here on the show. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time with multiple radio stations all over the place. Thanks for hanging out. Plus the TV and the live streaming and the podcasting. 
would like to thank you again as well after our um, awareness, didn't even know, but one of the podcasting sites, uh, what is it? Notes, something notes, pod notes, listen notes. That's what it was. Listen notes. Apparently, we're in the top 10% of all the podcast downloads and popularity out of the 3 million plus podcasts on that site. So thank you for that. We love you guys to death very much and appreciate you listening very, very much. Uh, As we kind of wrap up the program today, we're hanging out with Craig Bannister, CNS News, cnsnews.com. I love their site with all the information that they have. Uh, Craig, as we kind of wrap this up for the day, your thoughts quickly on the investigation regarding the blowing up of the Nord Stream pipeline in Russia. I know that there was rumor that the U.S. had something to do with that. Now that Russia's kind of isolated themselves off, they're drilling a massive amount of oil. They're selling it to OPEC. And while we banned it in the country to buy from Russia, we're buying from OPEC that's getting it from them, so we're getting it backhanded anyways to make ourselves feel better again with the nice little tricks that they pull on us to feel good. But uh, do you think that we really did have anything to do with the blowing up of that pipeline? Oh, I, I would not venture a guess. <laughs> uh, it certainly seems uh, suspicious, uh, but uh, but I don't know. Um what I can tell you, since we've only got a, a, a second here to wrap up, if you don't mind yeah. uh, my interjecting, I'd like to warn all your uh, listeners about the uh, the nefarious dangers of ESG. Um, I don't know if they're all familiar with that, uh, environmental social governance. Yep. What's happening there, you need to check with your retirement account managers, your fund managers, your pension account managers, to make sure that they are not investing in liberal environmental, social, and governance ESG causes at the expense uh, of of the growth of your retirement accounts. And and the reason I, I bring it up now is that ESG is anti-energy uh, in that uh, the, what is happening is fund managers are refusing to grant capital to loan, make loans to or invest in uh, companies involved in the production of natural gas uh, and oil and coal. Uh, so that, too, is, dri- is driving up the cost of energy for people like you and me um, uh, who may not have electric bicycles. Yeah, that is very true. And that's where I wanted to go in this last minute, minute and a half that we have here is going to this alternative energy, this uh, trying to overhaul the entire electric grid, force everybody onto electric, try and start these EV vehicles that are going to cut jobs. It's going to get rid of all this gas and everything else and the oil that we use. In your thoughts in about a minute or so, what is this going to do to the economy, to investments, to the stock market, and just to the average American? Well, uh, first off, investing in ESG tends to have lower uh, returns to your retirement accounts than uh, than traditional investing, which is by law uh, supposed to be based on uh, your best financial interest. Uh, what is this going to do? Well, as I said, it's going to drive up the cost of energy. And finally, as I always say, if it truly was is a better product, they wouldn't have to outlaw the competition. <laughs> they wouldn't have to uh, invest into it with grants from the federal government to boost it as well, to force people onto it. Uh, they'd rather instead just let the private market actually invest and do it themselves when it's efficient enough, when it's cost-effective enough, and people openly choose with the choices to actually want to go that route. What a concept, right? 
Exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. It's Craig Bannister, CNS News, cnsnews.com. Uh, in about 30 seconds or so, what's, uh, what are you working on right now? What's some pieces that we could see from CNS News, and uh, what could we see come from you guys? Well, I personally am on vacation right now. Hey. Um, <laughs> I'll be back on Monday, but I did uh, just uh, earlier today post a piece. Uh, Mark Levin's wife, uh, Julie, is over in Jerusalem uh, running in a half marathon uh, to raise funds for the victims of terrorism over there. Wow. Um, and, uh, and kudos uh, to her uh, for that. Uh, additionally, uh, it looks like I'm going to have to learn how to spell Ramaswamy. Uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy and uh, his bid for presidency, uh, he, he came out and, uh, and pointed out that while ESG helped bring down SVP, sure. uh, the Southern uh, uh, Bank, uh, that most clients don't even know their asset managers are investing in it. What a mess. What a mess. And you're taking the time out of your vacation to come and chat with us. Craig, it's a pleasure to have you on here. Craig Bannister from CNS News. Thank you so much, brother. It's so good. We'll get you back on again soon. That does it for us today. Podcast up in just a little bit. Until then, be your own voice of reason. This is the voice of reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.